And welcome back to the Wolverine Live. I'm John Borton here with our favorite co-host, guest, whatever you want to call him, expert on all things Michigan, Tom Crawford. Uh, Tom, great to have you with us. Always great. Uh, expert, that might be stretching it. Opinionated, yes. And I got a lot of opinions <laughs> about this Michigan basketball team. You know, I'm, I'm packing. I was just for the broadcast and getting my laundry going. I'm leaving tomorrow for Chicago. I'm trying to figure out how much clothes to take. Do I pack all the way to Sunday? Is that being overly optimistic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, just, uh, you know, a couple change of clothes and come home on, you know, Friday morning. I don't know. You know, so uh, it's interesting. We will talk all about that and about uh, the need for the extensiveness of your wardrobe and all of that. You all know Tom Crawford uh, from his press pass segments with uh, Jack Ebling and from his videos that he produces, uh, engrossing videos from his Crawford Podcasting Network. And one thing that you're going to know that that regulars know and anybody just joining will know, Tom Crawford has a ton of energy. And yeah. I that that is ceaseless. I am uh, I'm looking to match that and someday exceed it. And that's where our new sponsor comes in. Uh, vitamin energy is a powerful, naturally caffeinated energy shot that nourishes your body with vitamins, supports healthy weight loss, and boosts energy for seven-plus hours with no jitters or sugary crash. Uh, you know what? Uh, you can join this mission of theirs, of vitamin energies, to make people healthier and more energized one day at a time. Uh It does so much in every shot. Here are some of the benefits. You get a naturally caffeinated shot, green tea extract. It's gluten-free. It's vegan. It's kosher certified, keto-friendly. There are zero sugars and artificial flavors, zero carbs. There's something for everyone, immune and mood booster, B12, vitamin D, workout plus, sport plus, focus shots, and more. And maybe you even make your shots Late in the game, that would be uh, something that the Wolverines might want to look into. There are no jitters, no crash. It supports your gut health, energy with benefits. Let's, uh, as, as Vitamin Energy puts it, let us help you get through your day and be the best version of your Uh You know, you want to look at the website. And you can get on vitaminenergy.com. Use Wolverine BOGO as your code. That's Wolverine, capital B-O-G-O. You can buy one uh, and you can get one free with that code. Once again, Wolverine, all caps, on the B-O-G-O at vitaminenergy.com. And uh, like I said, we're going to be talking with energy uh, about a lot of basketball tonight. And we are going to be talking, of course, about what I have come to regard until further notice as team heartbreak. The Michigan Wolverines uh, that got to the seemingly the brink of elimination uh before went on a little run got everybody excited okay here comes the turnaround and then just absolute heartbreakers in those final two games 
uh, overtime losses, most recently at Indiana. Tom Crawford, tell me this team isn't going to continue the team heartbreak narrative when uh, you are over in Chicago for the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, it's, you know, speaking of jitters, I mean, watching Michigan basketball is 40 minutes of jitters. And, well, especially in the last part of these games. Uh, the land of missed opportunity. I mean, Michigan's embraced it. I mean, uh, let's see, since we talked last, uh, we we're, you know, kind of basking in that win over Wisconsin. And mm -hmm. then what happened since we talked last here on Wolverine Live was the double overtime defeat to Illinois. Uh, what what a missed opportunity. That's the one that mm -hmm. almost gnaws at me most more than anything. As uh, well should. You know, once again, another scenario of uh, the seven-point lead on the road, which was a situation in Iowa City. Actually, I think that it was a situation in uh, in Bloomington. Um, I'm trying to – it's all blurred together. But, what you know, it's 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 Michigan not closing the end of regulation when they had to – when they had tie game closing it out, end of regulation in, in Champaign, end of regular – or end of first overtime, overtime in Illinois, and then um, – and then losing it in the in the final, but you know, I thought that that was, you know, that was uh, brained me, okay, because uh, well, I just want to just get one of them. Then the, the burden goes on Bloomington, which when I talk to former players, uh, as I often do, uh, Assembly Hall in Bloomington is one of the toughest places to play. Maybe it's that balcony, maybe it's the noise, maybe it's the passion, maybe it's their obnoxious fans. I don't know, but. Um, I thought that would be the taller task, but doggone it. They're running the game. They got down by 14. All of a sudden, you know, they're up. They're up late. Up um, by a dozen at one point. Up by a dozen. Yeah, down by 14, up by 12. That's a 26-point swing. Um, and and yet another scenario, you know, to win it with, you know, I don't know, 14 seconds, Juan calls timeout. And again, it's you after these after these plays, it, 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 you you say to your fellow Michigan person in your man cave, as I have a couple of them. So is that the best we get out of that timeout? Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's what, you know, Hunter, Hunter with a four three, just like, you know, jet with a, you know, trying to get the shot off against Virginia. I mean, my God, we can go chapter verse on these missed opportunities. You can talk about, you can talk, you can talk about Kentucky and London. Kentucky's a good team right now. You can talk about down in Charlotte against Carolina. You can talk about the two Indiana games home and away. The Illinois game on the road, the Iowa game on the road, um, it's just exasperating. <laughs> the most exasperating Michigan team that I can remember in some time. I, oh, yeah. I think uh, one of John Beeline's most exasperating was more injuries the year that they missed the, uh, the NCAA tournament after it hit – had become customary yeah. to make it, and people right, were yeah. people were grumbling some then. But you had a couple of, of of major injuries. This team, yeah, you did lose the guy that was supposed to um, be your starting point guard, and and maybe we forget too easily about that because you've got a freshman that's running the show, and you need you need a guy down the stretch. As I've heard other people express, that wants the ball in his hands and and absolutely wants to get it done, I mean, probably the guy closest to that is 7-1, though, and that doesn't, that doesn't always work. So, I mean, you need 
a Kobe Bufkin or you need a Doug McDaniel to grow into the kind of guy that can either do it himself like a Kobe Bufkin or drive and dish and make it happen like uh, like Doug McDaniel. I mean, you're you're almost if it wasn't for Hunter Dickinson, you'd be sitting on a three game losing streak right now and another blown game because Wisconsin that comes down to uh, Hunter Dickinson hitting a miracle shot to extend it, and uh, they won that one in overtime at home. And but then you can't, you just can't uh, seven seven points down, two minutes to go, under two minutes to go at Illinois, and uh, and you can't hang on to that, and you can't score down the stretch against Indiana. Um, that is again season on the brink you got uh your your back is to the wall and they have to find uh a better way of finishing basketball games we got a little encouragement there against michigan state they they did it down the stretch at home and uh they certainly held off rutgers the last time they played them and they'll try to remember that the good things that they did there and then you get the 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 miracle uh against Wisconsin, but these last two games, complete reminder of how this season has switched from a potential uh, contention for the Big Ten title, as it turned out. You know, you were right there with two games to go, two games back, alone in second place, Mm -hmm. and now you're fighting for your life. And so I – my question to you is, uh, is Tom Crawford, I gave you a, a thought on why Michigan can't and isn't winning close games. What's, what's your biggest uh, beef on that? What's your biggest thought as to why it is they are probably leading the nation, if not uh, very close, in these close losses these uh, these two possession or or fewer losses well i like basketball is a 40 minute game of course in indiana a 45 minute game and what happens in the first half has as much impact as what happens in the final stretches right mm-hmm. and um i mean it's like some of these games i mean hunter not being able to hand muffin the ball and things like that i mean there's been some you know they had 13 turnovers in this game and decision-making down the stretch. I mean, it's like Hunter was really good, I thought, in Indiana. He had 24 and 14. I thought that was, you know, he had 11 uh, defensive rebounds. He, he he played a really – he played a good game, okay? But when it's winning time, money time, um, Trace Jackson Davis would get the ball in the post, and you knew he was going to score. He had that look in his eye, and you just – Hunter couldn't stop Michigan couldn't match that going to their their big man in the post down the stretch. And that has been that's been the big bugaboo in this team, you know, getting Hunter the ball at at that, you know, get him in a position. Now Illinois, he got the ball, but he was he was somewhat out of position. It almost could have been a, you know, and then and he hit, you know, he had he released it to Joey Baker one time and that didn't work out. Um, but it just it seems like this team is so fragile um, throughout the game, but in particular at the latter part of the game and, and, and closing things out offensively. But I say that they're also look at the Illinois game. 
I'm talking about deep. Watch, watch the tape of the Illinois game, John. And no, know, I refuse. Well, Terrence Shannon, TJ Jr. You know, he's he, you know they they seem to be able to to butt their way in like Jalen Pickett or or dribble drive penetrate uh, like Wisconsin did up in Madison at the, you know so Michigan's defense also gives them go you know lets them down. You know uh, what? Down the stretch. <laughs> Shannon is a charge waiting to happen if somebody's willing to take it because well, he's going go to go. He's going to bust the basket and run over whoever's in his way and and ho- hope that a block's going to be called. But I'll tell you what, Shannon, had he been wearing the other uniform like he yeah. was supposed to be this year, would right. have had this team in position to win the Big Ten championship. Yeah, well, that was a play of the game. I mean, that was a seven-point game, and that was well into the shot clock. It was way down the stretch. And he made the play of the game. And he didn't even have that good of a game. But yeah. when it came to money time, he had a good game. And the other, there's a couple other scenarios. And to answer your question, Will Cheddar, okay? Will Cheddar starts. And we don't see Terrace Reed until, like, at the 12-minute mark, 11-minute mark. He got you nine boards against IU. I don't understand. You know, I, I'm, I'm a li- Will Cheddar almost had 20 minutes of action. He had a couple fouls. He had he had two points and a couple of boards. Okay, well, actually, he had four boards. He did, but I mean, what is he contributing? You know, I, I don't. I, I I would take some of his minutes and and put it in Terrace's uh, it, Terrace's pocket. Okay, a little bit. The other thing is that you got Jet Howard, who um, he had some big threes down the stretch. I will say that. Okay, but he had the second most minutes in this entire game. I mean, Kobe had 43-23, Jet had 43-22. And if you look, I mean, when, you know, and I don't mean to hate on Jet, but sometimes I like to have him lesser, you know, maybe maybe lesser of a role because, it, you know, since he's come back, they've lost. When he was out, they won. And I know yeah. that's black and white in terms of demarcation, oh, if he plays, blah, 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 you know, but, I mean, that's, that's reality. And I, you know, I – I, I get frustrated I, sometimes. Yeah, I understand. I, I think you're going to sign some of that to uh, being on the road in two of the Big Ten's tougher venues. But also, you know, you can assign it to some of the things that you're talking about. Hunter Dickinson, you say finding ways to get him the ball. There was a time against Illinois late that he shouldn't have had the ball. He's right. bringing it up the court. He turns it over it's some of that is on Hunter Dickinson to to know to give it up. Some of it is on one of these younger guards to demand the ball and get open so that he gives it up. And some of it is on those guys on the sidelines in the in the coat and ties that say, give it up. Well, how about when the how about the shot clock violation? I mean, the bench guys screaming about the shot clock. I mean, how did that happen? You know, I mean, they got the rebound. They got 20 seconds. I mean, there's got to be more communication. It's it's this complete unravelness at at crunch time. And another scenario, and we love Kobe Bufkin. Kobe Bufkin, to me, is the best all-around player on this team by far. Right. I mean, no one's close, in my opinion. Okay? So you have the door open wide. Thank you, Race Thompson. He misses four free throws for Indiana. Okay? And he missed the last two. I mean, down the stretch, missed the last two. Michigan's down two with a full four-plus seconds to go. Kobe takes it down the court, and he throws it. First of all, you never give it up to a big man on a semi-break. He doesn't have the handles to handle it. 
He throws it to him. He's in a congested environment in the middle of the court with three guys on him. Kobe should have just held on. You know, it's it's your game to win and, and create something off the dribble. We don't have – a lot of these games you see on college basketball report and stuff like this, the guy – you know, they have one go-to guy who's going to create his own shot and gets it done. Now, that could have been Jed Howard. But then Kobe Bufkin gave it up, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a, an awkward, embarrassing turnover to end the game. Nightmare of nightmares of a missed opportunity. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree with you more. One last word on uh, on Mr. Shannon for Illinois, first team All Big Ten, and I uh, will say it again: you put this guy in a Michigan uniform like we thought they had done before. Uh, some circumstances led to him not being able to come to Ann Arbor. And uh, and I think you got yourself a legitimate challenger for the Big Ten Championship, not only because he's produced really good numbers, but because of the attitude, the aggressiveness, uh, the, the uh, self-possessed nature of someone at crunch time w- that this team really needed. And that this team really needs. I don't. I shouldn't talk about the season like it's over with. I mean, they. But, but I don't know how you develop that from the end of the season to the start of the Big Ten tournament for the Wolverines, which is two days away. That yeah. brings us to the whole subject of, okay, it's here now, Big Ten tournament. They have put themselves in a position by not getting one of those last two to probably need more than a just a win over Rutgers and oh, yeah. a uh, and a second round uh, ouster against Purdue. First of all, let's start with this, Tom Crawford. Can can Michigan beat Rutgers? I mean, it won at the rack not too long ago, but uh now when it's everything's on the line, can Michigan is Michigan going to uh take down Rutgers again? You know, it's going to be a different environment than at the rack because not only will there not be any Rutgers fans there at noon on Thursday, there probably won't be that many Michigan fans on Thursday. You know how our fan base goes when things are not cooking, if you know what I mean. Our Michigan basketball fan base is a show me and I'll show up kind of thing. Let's, let's be real in the Big Ten tournament. If things look really good going to the tournament, Michigan fans are all over the place, but if they're not, they won't show. Rutgers doesn't draw. That that game I'm going to be attending on Thursday at noon, it's like pick your section when it starts at least, okay? So Michigan's got to, you know, they don't have to deal with that, you know, hostile crowd, but can they create their own energy? Because there's not going to be a lot of energy, I don't think, in United Center, and they got to do it with backs up against the wall and do the same things they did up at the rack, and that's defend and rebound. And actually, Michigan out-rebounded Indiana by about nine, and um, they out-rebounded Wisconsin the Sunday before that. Um, but so rebounding is it, rebounding is now a core strength of Michigan. They got to continue to do that. But it's just if it comes down to it, JB, if we're down to a, a one or two possession game, I mean, it's just like, okay, we had that Wisconsin game aberration, but they haven't pulled too many of these out, you know. And and so that then there's that anxiety that you wonder if the players are are feeling it too. And then also – you know, Hunter was pretty, you know, he called those losses, that Illinois loss, devastating, whatever. How is it, where is this leadership coming from? How is this leadership going to be? That's the key. Who's going to lead this team? Uh, 
you know, saying we, we got to get at least two wins. And they got, they you know, two wins gives them a decent shot, or a really good shot um, going into Sunday, Selection Sunday. Three wins and they can sleep on Saturday night. Okay, but that's a pretty, you know, that means they're going to have to probably beat Michigan State, which is a really, really hot team right now, scoring-wise. It is, but I would worry less about Michigan State than a lot of teams. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that Michigan would be geared up for that one and has been in two games that they probably should be 2-0 and against the Spartans uh, this year, in my opinion, had they shot at all at the Breslin. But that aside... I find it unwise to uh, to take exception to the wise words of Tom Crawford very often, but I would like to uh, I would like to push back just a little bit on something that you said, and uh, we will see if this is the case on Thursday. You said you know it's it's not really they're not really going to face a hostile crowd. Well, this is the Big Ten tournament, and if Michigan finds itself down six points, eight points early in the second half against Rutgers, I think that the United, that, that place is going to sound like uh, Michael Jordan's in his heyday and then Rutgers is going for, uh, for the NBA championship. Because why? Everybody wants Michigan to lose. They would not see it. They, they would love it if the Wolverines got bumped out and knew that they were not going to make the NCAA tournament in their first time out. So I, I think that uh, Michigan needs to get up in this game because otherwise you, you might bring the Big Ten tournament crowd into play. Well, last year it was the Indiana crowd in Indianapolis, uh, uh, a desperate Indiana team, and it was I – mean, you know, you're right. And that was – and Indiana was there because they were – you know, they had to win that game and 40 minutes from Bloomington. But you know what? Uh, so you've been to those Thursday games. I mean, sure. when they start out, let's be real. That there's nobody there when they tip off. And you yep. can look at all these all these conference tournaments on Thursday afternoon. They're all the same. There's nobody there. But you're right. Mm-hmm. They got to get a big enough lead so they, you know, because if it does come down to crunch time and the Iowa fans who play in this 230 game show up, Mm-hmm. Um, or whoever survivor, Ohio State or Wisconsin, I think it's going to be Wisconsin. They yeah. show up. It's not like there are a ton of Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin's, you know, it's not a bad trek from Wisconsin to Chicago, so they, they'll probably bring it. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. The second half, got just got to be up. You got to be up. You got to get that lead at halftime before people show up. What I do like about the bracket, and this goes back to following the Big Ten tournament, attending the Big Ten tournament from the start, is this fact is that the team that plays Thursday, I'm not talking about the Wednesday, let's remove the Wednesday game, but the team that plays Thursday seemingly is in, you know, in sync a little bit more in the Friday game at the start, whereas the mm-hmm. buy, the double bye team kind of struggles early on. Right. Talking about Purdue, you know, right. and you know those rims at the United Center, they're like concrete, you know, those are the stiffest rims. I mean, it's getting, it's a different kind of environment. and um, so, I mean, once again, get ahead of Purdue early on uh, while Purdue is just kind of getting their feet wet. Um, that might be another scenario. But, I mean, if they if, if, if they can win those two games, and I hate to say that, but I mean, the Michigan State game would be gravy because uh, – and I think Michigan State will survive the Iowa versus whoever, you know, 
survivor in, in, in that Friday game. I think I, I think Michigan State is a big threat to be that one Big Ten team to go beyond expectations. I just they're due and offensively, and I've watched them obviously closely. Those three guards are man, they're terrific. And Malik Hall coming off, you know, he'd be a they go small. So I mean, that would be gravy. They beat Michigan State. That'd be awesome. And then and, and, you know, they, they could sleep on Saturday night, totally in the tournament. But yeah. um, just jumping ahead of early on, Rutgers. Same thing with Purdue. Um, and and get get so far ahead, you don't have that crunch time crap again. I hear you. I do not. I. I... I don't see a way that they get past Purdue in that second game. Really? If they, if really? they reach to it, I just I, – what, what, what makes you say that, John? Well, it it might be uh, basketball's version of PTSD because I have seen Michigan go to – you know, they're in Iowa, they're up, they've got this thing locked, and they, and they lose. They, you did it three times in the non-conference season. You had these games down the stretch for all the reasons that we've talked about, about finishing basketball games. I think uh, Purdue is probably a little more talented, a little more seasoned. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm at the point with this Michigan basketball team that <laughs> I, I say prove it. Prove that you can yeah. finish a game against a a, a a quality team against the number one yeah. seed. Yeah, and so that that's where I'm at with that. I mean, and I I interpret that uh, you think one win in the Big Ten tournament's not going to get it done. No, I think you know if if they won if they beat Purdue, they're in. Yeah, they're in. Yeah. Or and they're, they're it, likely in. And 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 you know, there's some there's these one bed leagues one bed leagues that you know that might get an upset and a, and that one. That that team that won their regular season could get an at large, and then that league becomes a two bid league, and then that screws a, a big Power Five school like Michigan, you know, trying to get their eighth, ninth, and tenth enrollees in the NCAA tournament. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think unless you know, you know, if they, if they beat Purdue, I mean, I'm going to be feeling pretty good. Uh, mm -hmm. about their chances there's no question you know you know to your point john I've, I've been following michigan basketball uh for 59 this is my 59th season of being obsessed with michigan football okay since i was or michigan bat both michigan football michigan basketball mm -hmm. michigan basketball with Cassie russell Cassie's um i think it was Cassie's uh junior year junior year or senior what one of the or my, sophomore year actually sophomore year his first year and it's like, wow. Uh, I've never seen a season like this one in terms of the missed opportunity, the what you know, consistently gagging down the stretch for lack of, yeah. you know, for lack of a better term. Okay, you know? so then then the question becomes you sounded surprised when I said I don't I, I, I don't <laughs> no, see them getting I, it done against Purdue. No, Tom Crawford, right. you pull on pull on that optimism for a minute. You tell me and everybody else that's listening in why you think that uh, Michigan could could get it done against Purdue if it came to that. Oh, uh, because I well, you know, it's like they're, they're freaking dude. Uh, sometimes the ball the ball goes in, they win. But I mean, and and this is the guy I've been critical about. And I don't, when I say I'm critical about, I'm not critical about him personally. I mean, I mean he's trying, he plays hard. 
But, you know, I want Jed Howard to play better. And I want Jed Howard to be unselfish um, at certain times, but even more selfish at other times. I mean, I, I thought there were some times he should have been more self, you know, taking some shots and he gave it up. Um, so I, I want a better version of Jed Howard. Okay. This is the end of the freshman year. And I think Jed Howard, when he gets hot, he's got a beautiful shot. I mean, it's, and if you got Kobe and Jet, I think Kobe and Jet are gonna click against Purdue. And I, 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 I just got this gut feeling. Here I'm getting ahead of the Rutgers game. That, that, that's a kiss of death, right? But I mean, if they get if they get to the Purdue game, I, I think Jet Howard and Kobe Buffkin are gonna have big time games together. Um, and and where Hunter's gonna be, you know, being that doing that pivot pass and releasing and getting setting people up and. Um, those two are the, those, those two are the guys that are going to get it done. All right. Well, you talked, uh, a lot there about Jet Howard. I want to talk about another Howard and that would be Juwan Howard. And I have been, you know, fairly blunt about what I refer to now as team heartbreak. And I'm, uh, I'm hoping that they, they change that, uh, nickname here over this weekend for the sake of Michigan fans. But, uh, Juwan Howard, just you know, you hear these rumblings. People are are uh, annoyed. People are oh, why this and that, and they start digging out you know the uh, the records for John B. Lines last few years, and then Juwan Howard's first few at Michigan, and comparing records and everything else. I think that's silly because if you want to if you want a straight comparison, then you pick out John B. Lines first few years as yeah. a college head coach um and i get it this is a big time big lights all big stage big 10 all that stuff but i i I do uh think anybody that wants to extrapolate a disappointing in some way season unless it turns around right now into well maybe you know maybe this isn't uh, the, the direction that they should be going i you know i think that's silly at this point Thoughts? Yeah, you framed it well. Um, you know, with John Beeline, you know, it's like, you know, I, 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 I snickered when, you know, they introduced at the, uh, I'm trying to think of what game it was. Um, where, oh, Mich- was it Michigan State game that they introduced? The, yeah, the 2013 game. And um, they introduced uh, John Beeline. The place is going crazy. I mean, I mean it's like, it was like a coronation. You know, yeah. Beeline's back, our savior. You know, this is when Michigan was kind of struggling. Then they, then they won They won going away in the second half. It was a big win. But when you look at John Beeline, you are not you, – you are right on target. I mean, there were some clinker years. And I know the Karis LeVert, Derek Walton injuries in the 14-15 season, but Michigan's had some injuries this year. But you look at that 15-16 season, I mean, I was down at that playing game. You were there as well in Ballas. No doubt. And they beat they barely beat a bad Tulsa team. I mean, a bad Tulsa team to get into the uh, to the, the the field of sixty four, and then they lost Notre Dame. That team was not a very good team. I'm just saying that was. And you then you look at this the next year when the year that they won the two games in Indianapolis and they lost to Oregon, I think in Kansas City when Derek Walton missed that shot. A seventeen season ended up pretty good. But you remember mm-hmm. halfway through that season, 
Is that I'm on? I'm texting you. You remember that conversation? Oh yeah, I do. Because I, I was not down the Michigan State game. I had the flu, so I was home, and I was feeling sick in many ways going into that game. Because why? Because the Ohio State game that we attended on Saturday, they looked Saturday night. They looked pathetic. Yeah, not good. Absolutely pathetic. You remember that? No, I do. And everybody, and you and I were saying, "What's the deal with Beeline? Tired of this crap?" Or I was saying it. You were you had a more you know obviously more sensible mind, but well, uh, understand. I deal with uh, with uh, uh, <laughs> folks that are more on the edge than you. I yeah, won't bring yeah. up any names yeah. uh, at but, the moment. Yeah. So what do they do? So what do they do? You know, I'm, I'm bad. You know, I'm, I'm in this text at the start of the Michigan State game where I'm home, not, and they absolutely obliterate Michigan State. I mean, they were up by like 35. They blew out Michigan State. Okay. And then all of a sudden they got it started clicking and they got to the sweet 16. I mean, it's so it's fragile. It's a, it's a fickle fit. You know, it's a fickle fest. I mean, we go back and forth and we did this crap last year and mm. we're doing when, remember when Iowa and a senior day, they just, you know, they blew out Michigan. God, we're going to make the tournament. Michigan slides in at 17 and 14. They go down to Indy. They beat a good Colorado State team, and they beat the number two or three seed, whoever they were, Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> and they're going on to the Sweet 16, and they lost, and they played hard and lost to Villanova. Right. I mean, right. you know, it's like it. Who who knows? I, I'm not smart enough to figure out if Joanne's a good coach or not. I really am. Not. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say this: it at this point, it would almost take um, a repeat of that last year's situation to. For some to feel pretty good about this season, you win a couple oh, yeah. in this Big Ten tournament, then you win a couple early in the. It, it, you extend that Sweet Sixteen streak, it would be light years away from the feeling that folks had after these last two games, these last You're two right. heartbreakers. You're and right. but that's what it's that's what this time of year is all about. Can Michigan change the? scenario can michigan change the narrative from a team that just breaks your heart cannot finish to a team that hey you know what at the end they got better that we're all looking forward to next year and you know they've done this and that late hey that's what march is about we'll uh, yeah. we we will see it. you will see it on uh, on thursday at the united center and uh we will be talking about it very soon. We're going to shift gears right now uh, in the closing moments of this podcast because we need to talk about football. Yes. Uh, we want to talk about football. And I think um, what our folks ought to know is Tom Crawford sometimes has nuggets and observations that uh, that go beyond just, you know, the – the random uh, observance from afar, he has uh, he has special insight, and he's going to lay some of that on us tonight. Well, um, you, you're asking me about um, what what's that what's that position group that I'm most concerned of? You know, and like I said before, I said last week, I've never I've never had more higher anticipation of expectation of Michigan football than this year. Okay, um, and but there's an X factor involved in that. Well, first of all, I think the coaching staff has been improved. Okay, and I think you and I, the coaching staff situation, 
Chris Partridge back, huge, huge. You know, um, that's a big plus. Um, and and um, so I and, I and I think a second year of Jesse Mentor in there, the defense. You have back to back years of the same DC now. Um, that's good. Um, his little flirtation, all these flirtations with Michigan coaches going to the NFL, survive those. But it's the receiving core that I'm concerned about because it's the only missing link. We know about tight end, and we know how great that that, that the the running back situation. JJ McCarthy, who I who I well, I think will go down as the greatest Michigan quarterback of all time. And that's a pretty strong statement. Wow. Uh, but I think that that's gonna, I think that's gonna be the case, and I think that's gonna be created and concluded this coming year. But it's the receiving core that I've been concerned about. Okay. Now mm -hmm. there's a lot of receivers. You know. You know. You got CJ back. You got AJ Henning back. You got Roman Wilson back. But there's a couple of freshmen. I think everybody needs to know. And I, you know, I, I had an insider at the uh, three-hour practice yesterday. They went three hours um, or two and a half, three hours at the building yesterday. They just came back from spring break. Samaj Morgan. Remember that name? He's a little slot guy. West Bloomfield played for Ronald Bellamy. Uh, he's an early enrollee, so remember that name. Another one is Frederick Moore, another early enrollee. Raw, raw, natural ability. He's an outside guy, um, and Michigan needs the outside guy. And the other one, the other guy I keep talking about is a guy that we were all talking about to spring practice last year was Darius Clements. Why? Because mm -hmm. he's he's legitimately tall, <laughs> tall by Michigan receiver standards, six foot three. And what he, you know, this is his time. So he's like the X factor, but I still, you know, you got Roman Wilson, like we talked about. And there's another guy to keep an eye on Christian Dixon from California. There's another name to keep an eye on, but Roman Wilson, when you look at Roman Wilson, he's not this imposing wide receiver, right? I mean, no. uh, you know, CJ's got some height, but what I'm trying to figure out, I'm asking you the question as much as I'm asking myself, I mean, can Michigan have that really deep threat? Uh, from this receiving core, because I don't think of all the names that I've had, you know, these are these two freshmen are really good and they're but they're slot guys. Who's going to be that, you know, go route guy that's going to get separation? Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's Darius Clements, but that's that's been the missing link to stretch that. Do you remember? Can you think about having a defense stretched mm -hmm. when you got J.G. McCarthy in the RPO? You got Donovan Edwards. No. Uh, and, and Blake Corum. Think about I that. And one other thing about receiving core, I think, and this is being kept an obvious here, I think there'd be an addition when it comes to the portal at one. Yeah, I, I think you're uh, spot on. I appreciate the, uh, the inside uh, as to guys to watch, but I will say this. Um, you know, you if, if you talk about a guy that will come into – this season with a great deal of confidence and a quarterback who will have a great deal of confidence in him, it would be one Cornelius Johnson. And yeah. that is because of what happened down in Columbus. You, yeah. uh, you do what that kid did down in Columbus, all of a sudden uh, everybody's opinion of you lifts that much yeah. and your own confidence goes up and yeah. he he manufactured a touchdown by his uh his elusiveness on a short sideline pass 
and and then he beat the Buckeyes deep, and uh, and that that's going to go a long way uh, in yeah. probably in JJ McCarthy's mind in the opportunities that he gets. Uh, I would say just for pure burner speed, get behind people, it would be probably Roman Wilson, but uh, more so than than Cornelius Johnson. But Cornelius Johnson has the ability to get out and and get open and some, make some things happen. He, he so, does, and, he, and he's highly experienced. I mean, this is you know he was playing in the nineteen. Uh, he was a pre-COVID guy. Yeah, he had a touchdown against Michigan State in the twenty nineteen game. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So is CJ that guy? Who's the guy? In the infamous red zone scenario, the Mario Manningham has been missing for 50. You know what I mean? And Ronnie Bell mm-hmm. was the closest to that. And, um, you know, you know, there's obviously the tight end situation, you know, that you, you can have that um, as an option. I still want a wide receiver who can run a deep slant and, and, and catch the ball. And who's that guy? That's that's and, and I guess it's CJ where when when to loosen that scenario up so that the red zone isn't so difficult and and trials and tribulations that we've seen throughout the 2022 campaign in the red zone. All right. Well, I I do think it's going to be, when you start talking red zone, I think it's going to be uh, one of those tight ends that really steps up. Um, And I would not be surprised if, uh, if you didn't go with a, uh, a luxury model import in the person of AJ Barner because I think that this six six kid out yeah. of uh, Indiana is going to to bring it if he stays healthy if he can be healthy this year he's got some real skills and uh, he's by far not the only one uh, out of Michigan's ranks you've got some other guys younger guys that are coming on. Colson Loveland obviously was uh, yeah, had a really good freshman season. He did. But Barner is uh, – you ask me if if I'm looking for a guy in the red zone that could really help him out, I think he can do it. They, they need a red zone. They need it in that first corner. Like, all, yeah. like everybody else's team has that guy. All those other big-time teams like Georgia, like Alabama, like Ohio State has that guy. Michigan hasn't had that guy making that um, – making that play. So um, that's, you know, so that's why I think receiving core. And then I'm getting way ahead of myself in this offensive line. We're just assuming that it's going to be a third year in a row Joe Moore award winner uh, because mm-hmm. all this depth. But, you know, you're going to have to have that depth. I mean, it's got to sink in, right, John? I mean, that's, that we shouldn't no doubt. automatically assume that that's going to be, you know, a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I like the fact that they'll have three starters back together. Uh, but the fact is, you are plugging a couple of new guys in. It might be one of the younger guys that has been battling. It might be one of the guys. Uh, you, what you know is you'll have a lot of competition. Yeah. And you'll have guys absolutely fighting for their football life this this fall because you know this is a great opportunity with a great offense, with a great team, and you know that these guys that have come from around the country to be in Ann Arbor this fall want to be that guy. And just as much so, the guys that have been fighting it out uh, behind other people want to be that guy. You're going to get that competition. Hey, before I let you go, one more question for you, and I've got my own uh, thought on this. I want to know, Tom Crawford's, if, if you could pick 
any one individual off this roster to uh, to keep a special eye on in spring ball or spring game? Uh, who would it be and why? Uh, both sides of – you're talking about – Either side of the ball. No, nope, just one guy. One guy. Well, I mean – and I'm probably being way too obvious about. I just think Will Johnson is indeed close to the is going to be the closest to the next Charles Woodson we've ever had. No, I don't know how you know when you say spring ball. You know what that means. I mean, is it in spring game? Or are we going to see that? Or are we going to hear about it from the coaches? I just think he's going to be incredible next year. Um, and everybody's going to say, "Well, thank God he's only a sophomore because he'd be going to the NFL." Because I think his skill set is unbelievable and um i mean i mean they would you know you know just all the hype going in he was a five star and that's all cool and everything but he but at the back end of that year i mean we were i was just starting to isolate on him on how mm-hmm. he was doing mm-hmm. his position his backpedaling everything and dude's a player man <laughs> no doubt about it and you know here's the ironic thing we have not talked about this um you knew the question was coming, but you didn't know. Uh, you didn't know my answer. I didn't know your answer. But uh, we we just uh, completed the the corner potential cornerback slots because my guy that I'm keeping a close eye on is Amarian Walker, who oh, yeah. is up for that other cornerback yeah. spot. In to the extent that. Jim Harbaugh was talking about him as a starter, uh, at least at this juncture of spring ball. Yeah, Here's a kid who has the length, has the athleticism to be uh, physically give, – give Michigan two of its most gifted cornerbacks right. in a long, long time. And so it's, it's interesting that we both went for that spot, yeah. but we looked at it – I mean, you're, you're looking at it as – you know that uh, your guy has proven himself, and you just want to watch him blossom even more. And yeah. I'm looking at the other side and thinking, "Hey, if this guy is as good as they're talking about, think about what Michigan will have in terms of being able to lock uh, lock receivers." Well, with, with Walker, I mean, go back to uh, this is going back to a basketball player, Maceo Baston. Oh okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Arms would were down uh, albatross arms. Okay, they're long. This is Walker's. I watch him, and I mean, he's got long arm. I mean, you talk about length, mm-hmm. guy. This guy is he's, he's got crazy, crazy attributes to him, from what I understand. And uh, oh yeah, I mean, what, what, what didn't he do the three cone drill? What wasn't there one drill that he just blew it up? Uh, yes, it was. To, I think it was three cone. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's like wow. I mean, and you can you can have a simple, you know, drill like that with, where foot speed is showcased that that can really be a telltale. And yeah, a position of strength, the defensive backfield, and, and obviously the safeties as well. And you know, you, you know, you got Mikey Samer still. I mean, who's the ultimate leader on that team? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is dull leader in a lot of ways. Um, it's gonna be a good defense. It's gonna be a good team. 
going to be a good team. Tom Crawford and I both have our binoculars trained in the defensive backfield as the spring game approaches. But everybody for Michigan has their eyes trained on the United Center, on Chicago, Illinois, uh, on a noon tip between Rutgers and Michigan. And to see what this season, what this crazy basketball season still has in store. Tom Crawford, uh, appreciate you joining us. We will have uh, a whole lot to talk about next week as we yeah. see this play out, not only the Big Ten tournament, but also the selection process in the NCAAs and what that has to do with Michigan, if anything. Well, I hope I head back to Chicago with smiles, at least with an automated, you know, that, that just knowing in my head that Michigan's going to be in the tournament on selection Sunday. I'm not sure if they'll get to Sunday, but uh, I think they're going to. I think they're going to win a couple of games. I'll go out on a limb and say they're going to beat Purdue. Either way, we'll be talking about it next week. All right, Tom. Thanks for being here. Thanks, JB.